Pigment conditions represent some of the most delicate and difficult skin conditions to treat in clinic, with many mainstream and gold standard treatment approaches resulting only in short-term outcomes that don't always correct the root cause of the problem, which as we know may be an internal factor. When we look to treat pigment irregularities effectively in the skin, we need to consider the relationship that exists between the two most involved cells, the melanocyte being the cell that produces the pigment and the keratinocyte, which is the cell receiving the pigment. This relationship has been fiercely debated over the years with a number of theories proposed dating back to the 1960s as to how this pigment transfer takes place between these two cells. Whilst there is still more to be uncovered, which certainly in future could indicate new treatment avenues that open up to us, there is a lot we now do know, which can serve us as skin specialists in shaping more effective treatment programs and delivering superior longer term outcomes for our clients or patients. Now, in the case of hyperpigmentation disorders, pigment is considered to be the bad guy. However, in its defense, it is an innately protective substance with a very important task of protecting our keratinocytes against the environment and most specifically the radiation emitted from the sun. So not always the bad guy. In fact, sometimes he's the good guy because a healthy skin relies on a balanced distribution of pigment or melanin to optimize our defense against DNA damage and the knock-on effects that this DNA damage can cause to the appearance as well as the function of our skin as an organ. On today's episode, we'll be exploring the marriage between the melanocyte and the keratinocyte. We'll investigate the importance of communication in this marriage. We'll share a great new article which was published this year in 2023 and highlight some of the mechanisms involved in conditions that manifest as hyperpigmentation disorders on the skin. Now, One of the most important mechanisms that we'll focus this episode on, because a conversation about pigmentation, it is vast and it's impossible to encapsulate everything in 20 or 30 minutes. So today we're going to focus on the cell-to-cell and the cytokine or enzyme-to-cell communication pathways that exist between our melanocyte and our keratinocyte that need to be considered when we are aiming at regulating new pigment formation and approaching these undesired skin conditions in a sustainable style over a quick fix. This is The Power of Protons, a pH Formula Australia podcast for skin specialists around the world. This is where you come to explore the always evolving professional beauty, skin, dermal and aesthetics industry. We cut through the hype to deliver highly researched content designed to empower, educate and inspire. I'm Danielle Hughes, your host and lover of all things skin. I'm a beauty therapist turned dermal clinician turned MBA graduate and I'm the proud distributor of pH formula in Australia. 
It's my pleasure to share my passion for education, skin management, and business every Monday right here on the Power of Protons podcast. The dynamic balance of our skin as a type of tissue relies on cell-to-cell communication, which in itself relies on the release and the receipt of signaling molecules or cytokines and enzymes that catalyze certain responses. For example, the production of more pigment to better protect us against our environment. When we look at epidermal homeostasis, the two key cells that are responsible for maintaining this dynamic balance are the keratinocyte and the melanocyte. And I'm going to quote now from the 2014 article, which is called Keratinocytes Regulate the Function of Melanocytes. And it was written by Tomohisa Hirobe. And I just think that this quote creates a nice baseline for this episode and really identifies the important marriage between these two cells. The homeostasis of the epidermis and hair follicle is primarily regulated by the cellular interaction between keratinocytes and melanocytes. Keratinocytes stimulate melanocyte functions such as proliferation, differentiation, melanogenesis, and dendritogenesis, or the formation and development of the melanocytes' dendrites. In the case of pigmentation, which is an important cellular activity that protects us against the sun, our keratinocytes release communications. And we can think of these communications as the keratinocyte writing a little letter to the melanocyte down in the base layer of the epidermis, communicating a tale of its environment and how much pigment those new daughter cells that are about to be stimulated to be born are going to require to protect themselves at optimal when they're in their migration up to the surface. These communications are then transduced into new signals that promote the synthesis of melanin, which travels up into the finger-like projections of the melanocyte, known as dendrites. In a cycle, the keratinocytes that are surrounding that particular activated melanocyte eventually receive the little pigments which are required for optimized photoprotection and they then continue their maturation process and their migration up to the surface with the right amount or hopefully the right amount of pigment coating to protect the DNA that is housed within that particular cell. This process as an overall process is referred to as melanogenesis, and it is a complex process, a a complex process beyond just a short podcast episode like this. However, today we will cover some essentials that hopefully spark some more curiosity in you to undertake some further research on this topic. So let's first look at the melanocyte, the cell that we often target in treatments that assists us in managing hyperpigmentation disorders in the skin. 
So melanocytes, quite simply, are melanin-producing cells that originate in the basal layer or the stratum basal of the epidermis. And as a side note, this fact alone presents an important consideration that we bear in mind when applying treatments that stimulate the collagen cell or fibroblast in the dermis and may in fact penetrate, whether physically or energetically, into that dermis zone of the skin, possibly causing disruption to our melanocytes on the way through. Melanocytes produce a chemical protection shield or coating in the form of melanin, and this protects us against environmental assault. The production of melanin is known as melanization, and it results from that overall melanogenesis process. These cells are dendritic in their form. So if you look at the palm of your hand, your fingers can resemble the dendrites of the melanin cell. And it's these dendrites and I suppose at the tips of these dendrites that then enables the distribution of melanin, which has been packaged up into little melanosomes, little pods, into surrounding keratinocytes. Interestingly, one single melanocyte has the potential to serve up to 40 surrounding keratinocytes with this protective coating, a coating that protects our cellular DNA within the nucleus. The term epidermal melanin unit refers to this little community of up to 40 keratinocytes, which are being serviced by that one melanocyte. Now, there are several enzymes, one of which you may have heard of. It's highly researched, it's highly targeted, and that is tyrosinase. But there are several enzymes required during this melanogenesis process with four different stages of melanin development and maturation taking place within the melanosomes at various points of their journey traveling up the dendrites where they finally reach the tip and the point in which that transfer into the keratinocyte can take place. This is why enzymatic reaction and regulation forms a treatment baseline for the regulation of dysregulated pigment and subsequent pigment reduction programs. So looking at delivering in topical products, ingredients that work to balance the tyrosinase and potentially the misfire of that tyrosinase. The process of melanin synthesis can happen naturally, as well as as a result of cytokine communication pathways that stimulate a pigment response. Now, I'm going to quote from another article, and I was really excited to read through this article. It has some incredible diagrams, so I will link it up for you on our website. But it's um, it's a 2023 article. It was published in July this year. It is written by Bento Lopez, Cubaco, Chaneca, as well as other colleagues. And it's called Melanin's Journey from Melanocytes to Keratinocytes, Uncovering the Molecular Mechanisms of Melanin Transfer and Processing. So if you are, what is the term, skin nerd, you're going to love this article. It's really interesting. So end quote now from this article. 
mature melanosomes accumulate at the melanocyte dendrites and are then transferred to keratinocytes. After being internalized by the keratinocytes, melanin is processed, that is trafficked, before accumulating in the supranuclear area, so over the top of the nucleus, where it exerts its function of protecting the DNA of these cells from UV radiation. Now, this article, which as I said, was really informative, still notes that the mechanisms of the actual transfer process between the melanocyte and keratinocyte remain controversial and are poorly characterized. They explain the importance of continued studies given the impacts that pigmentation disorders have on individuals and the broader healthcare systems. And I suppose they're, they're calling for this continued study in terms of looking at new treatment avenues that may assist dermatologists, skin specialists in treating and rebalancing pigmentation irregularities. So on top on the topic of how melanin is transferred between the cells, even though it is still a bit controversial and there's not a defined um, mechanism, it's still a little bit up in the air, there are four different transfer models that have been explored and published over the years as to how the keratinocytes become injected with melanin. And I wanted to just share what these different models are called, but I will, as I said, link this article up for you so that you can read a little bit more detail as to what each of these models is actually referring to in terms of the mechanism. So the first mechanism is cytophagocytosis of melanin dendrites by keratinocytes. The second is the fusion of melanocyte and keratinocyte membranes. The third is a shedding of melanosome-laden globules globules. And the fourth is coupled exocytosis and phagocytosis of the melanin core. As I said, there's some really great diagrams in this article. So I will link um, to our website in the little show notes of this episode so that you can really quickly find the article and have a look through, have a, have a better read. It's I think 15, 16 pages. Now, we know that the melanocyte, like all cells, house vital cell components such as a nucleus, a mitochondria, an endoplasmic reticulum, and the list goes on. And therefore, there are metabolic issues that can develop within this melanocyte that do then cause the potential for negative consequences to its overall function as a cell that synthesizes a protective substance for the skin. Melanocytes are highly reactive cells, and when they are triggered, they can misbehave. Think throwing all the toys out of the cot. These cells are very vulnerable to traumas, whether it be ultraviolet radiation, infrared radiation, a thermal influence or heat, 
aggressive topical substances. They're also very vulnerable to oxidative stress as well as fluctuating hormone levels, which is often why dermatological treatments have limitations and or can take significant time periods to achieve notable results that sustain over time, especially if the triggers aren't identified and the causal factors haven't been adequately addressed. Our melanocytes feature receptors. You can imagine these as like little ears on the parameters of the cells, listening out for communication. These receptors receive the cytokine or the communication that's sent down by the keratinocytes, keratinocytes being our primary shareholder of the epidermis, making up about 80% of the total cell composition of our epidermis and they are chatty. Our keratinocytes are very chatty cells. Now, our melanocytes also produce cytokine messages to alert macrophages, as well as to communicate back to keratinocytes and even fibroblasts if there is a case of inflammation or infection. There are several communication pathways traveling in and out of the melanocyte that instruct a response. Now, before we get into the possible pathways for the distribution of pigment, we need to highlight the keratinocyte because after all, the keratinocyte is a very important player in the epidermal melanin units. The Art Club stands in Barcelona as one of PH Formula's proudest achievements. An advanced skin academy meticulously crafted to bring skin specialists together to undergo holistic training covering skin histology, biochemistry, cosmetic chemistry and medical aesthetics. In line with the excellence and innovation embodied by the PH Formula product line, the international team at PH Formula have dedicated considerable effort to create a purposeful learning environment. Here, the artistry of formulation is highly respected while knowledge is shared and comprehensive training is extended to physicians, clinical estheticians and aesthetic nurses, advanced skin therapists and industry professionals from all corners of the world. This commitment to leading with education empowers skin specialists with an in-depth understanding of skin health and the resources required to perform advanced and controlled chemical skin resurfacing treatments. Will you be planning a trip to the Art Club in 2024? Our PH Formula Australia hands are up and we cannot wait to share an energising experience at the Art Club with our family of Australian skin specialists. Check out phformula.com.au to discover the innovative art of skin resurfacing and how you can join us on our next trip to Barcelona. Keratinocytes make up the majority of our skin's epidermis, and they undergo major changes throughout their life cycle from the stratum basal layer up to the stratum corneum, where they've filled with the protein keratin. 
During this time of migration, the cell's organelles begin breaking down, degrading, and the membrane of the cell begins to thicken to become cornified. These toughened up cells can then better fight for us against the environment that we subject our skin to. Now, the cells of the stratum corneum are constantly undergoing desquamation apoptosis, and that stimulates a natural renewal of new cells being born out of the mother cells that reside within the basal layer of the epidermis. At the time of this desquamation, which is a natural process, or in the case of an exfoliating treatment, keratinocytes that are up on that outermost layer, or corneocytes as they may be called, write a little letter to their colleagues in the deeper layers of the skin, detailing the environment that they were subject to in the lead up to their departure. This letter is sent back to the mother cells in the base layer in the form of the cytokine communication that we've been discussing during this episode, which then triggers mitosis and a new cell regeneration, whilst also providing important data as to the environment that these new daughter cells being born should be equipped to endure. Which leads us to the messaging between the keratinocyte and the melanocyte and the important relationship that these two cells have, this marriage, indicating an important consideration for aesthetic treatments, especially if the potential treatment holds the risk of adding to the data being communicated back down in a negative way. According to the 2014 article that I referenced at the start of this uh, podcast episode written by Hirobi, and quote now, the proliferation, differentiation, melanogenesis and dendritogenesis, or the growth of the dendrite, of the melanocytes in the epidermis and hair follicles of mammalian skin or mammal skin are primarily regulated by paracrine factors derived from keratinocytes. The paracrine regulation of melanocyte function by keratinocytes appears to have a key role in regulating the homeostasis of the epidermis and of the hair follicles. The article also shares epigenetic considerations based upon the environment that the keratinocytes are subject to, but also in an accumulative capacity over over time. Leave me a comment if you're he- uh, if you're keen to hear more about the most recent studies being published in the field of epigenetics as well as in the field of cutaneous aging. There's some really interesting developments surfacing that we don't have time to go into on this episode, but if it's something that you would like an episode developed around, then please do let me know. Whilst melanin is an essential component of our skin, it also represents a highly complex and temperamental, potentially unregulated compound, easily influenced by extrinsic, so environmental factors, as well as intrinsic factors that can cause a misfire and modify its presence within the skin. The dysfunctional distribution of melanin results in often aesthetically unpleasing skin conditions and I suppose for that reason fuels a demand for effective treatment techniques that can correct the 
unevenness in skin tone and reinstate a more even, flawless, radiant complexion. So on the topic of dysfunctional melanogenesis, several factors can trigger this response in the skin with certain high-risk markers increasing an individual's chance of having an irregular expression of pigment. And I suppose because there are so many different trigger factors, pigmentation is a very complex condition to treat and quite often does take a number of months, if not longer, uh, to really see uh, a visible improvement because there are a number of issues that can potentially be at play. And in the case of trying to regulate the communication pathways, that does take time. And it also takes a particular attention at potential lifestyle triggers that could be uh, leading to that or adding to that particular condition, one of which being the sun and potentially unprotected exposure in the ultraviolet radiation. So these factors, these high risk factors that we're just going to finish the episode on, these can affect the signaling pathways to the melanocyte, possibly leaving that melanocyte with no real clue as to the level of melanin that's actually required for that keratinocyte to have the protection that it needs. And here lies a key problem where regardless of the mechanism of transport, i.e. the way that the pigment is transported from the melanocyte into the keratinocyte, whether it be the phagocytosis theory, exocytosis, the fusion of the two cells together, or a shedding, as per the 2023 article that I've referenced earlier, the melanocyte can begin pumping out excessive volumes of pigment, possibly overpopulating the keratinocyte supranucleus, so the little helmet that sits over the nucleus, the helmet of pigment. So remember, in the case of flawed cell communications causing a dysfunctional melanogenesis, the melanocyte may not have received the clear message from the keratinocyte that says, hey, stop pumping it out, I've got enough. And therefore, that pigment cell keeps doing what it feels is right because its mission is to protect the DNA of the keratinocytes within the nucleus. So even when communications are clear between the cells, there are also other triggers that will establish a level of dysfunction, despite the skin feeling that its responses are appropriate, i.e. better protective mechanisms being adapted into the new cells. The problem is sometimes these superior protective mechanisms don't actually translate into what we consider to be a healthy, beautiful, flawless looking skin. So to complete today's episode, I thought we would just highlight very briefly some of the triggers that can lead to dysfunctional melanogenesis and an imbalanced production of pigment. And you guessed it, the first trigger is sun radiation, most specifically exposure to ultraviolet radiation. And this causes the keratinocyte to release cytokine messages that activate the tyrosinase enzyme, stimulates the melanocyte and triggers the release of melanin in an effort to naturally protect our body against this new stimulant. Now, regular and excessive ultraviolet 
uh, radiation exposure, particularly when it's, you know, not uh, when not protected, so not using a SPF 30 or an SPF 50, not having protective clothing, etc. So when we have regular, excessive, and unprotected exposure to ultraviolet radiation, this can result over time in a significant melanin buildup or clumping to protect the cell's DNA against irreversible mutation. And we know that ultraviolet radiation can cause cellular mutation. Now, whilst this is our body's approach to superior protection, it's not, as I mentioned, what we're actually wanting to see manifest on the skin, because this results in an you know, uneven pig, uh, pigment patches. So the melanin granules, they work by absorbing the UV rays and they dissipate the energy as heat which is not a terrible thing. But when we have excessive ultraviolet exposure and we have an excessive dispersion or dissipation of energy as heat, this can have a negative knock-on effect that weakens some of the surrounding tissue and can potentially stimulate the premature breakdown of collagen fibers, which can lead to premature skin aging, which again is another topic in itself, but I just thought it was interesting to highlight that mechanism in regards to how the melanin actually deals with the ultraviolet radiation. Now, other triggers or risk factors for dysfunctional melanogenesis can include an individual's Fitzpatrick type and genetic predispositions. Of course, we know that certain medications can trigger a pigment response. They have the potential to interfere with cell-to-cell -cell communication pathways and or increase an individual's sensitivity to the sun. Hormones, I mean, we see evidence of this in times of hormonal imbalances and fluctuations, for example, in pregnancy, being a very common time where women can experience uh, hyperpigmentation disorders. Inflammation and wound, for example, in the case of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, exposure to certain chemicals, and of course, stress and possibly even sleep deprivation being higher risk factors to cause a dysfunctional um, pigmentation process within the skin. So when we look to treatments for pigmentation, there are several proven and effective measures that we can take. And this is, you know, my goodness, so many new episodes have come out of just this episode, really, because looking at different pigmentation treatments is an episode in itself, which is maybe something we'll do in future. But in a general take, a modern approach to skincare and pigmentation treatment and pigment regulation and rebalancing will always acknowledge the cellular connection that we have discussed today between the pigment cell and your keratinocyte or your skin cell. And it will look to minimize disruption to the keratinocyte in an effort to correct a misbehaving melanocyte without other natural influencing factors and cytokine communications potentially negating the treatment outcome, where it's a case of one step forward and two step back in the longer term. Treatments and products that reduce surface irritation and damage to the outermost barrier of the skin, so preserving the integrity of the skin's natural barrier, will offer 
often offer a superior long-term outcome as they won't stimulate the same message or volume of cytokine communication being sent back down to those mother cells and melanocytes indicating the aggressive environment that they were just subject to or have been subject to over their life cycle and that these mother cells and that the pigment cells need to pump out more protective measures to better defend those new daughter cells. In light of the fact that often our environment can already have caused barrier disruption, we need to be very cautious in causing additional barrier disruption with our products and treatments, especially when treating and managing hyperpigmentation disorders, even those that may be triggered by an internal factor such as hormones. Ah, it's been a jam-packed episode and I sincerely hope that you have enjoyed this one today. Leave me a message if you'd like more episodes developed around hyperpigmentation and the development of pigment in the skin. I would love to unpack that 2023 article in more detail about those four potential treatment, uh, not treatment, pigment pathways, pigment, um, yeah, the, the, the mechanisms involved in actually transferring the pigment between the pigment cell and the skin cell. So if you'd like another episode that fleshes that out in more detail, then again, leave me a comment on the podcast. Until next Monday, I wish you a positively charged week ahead and I look forward to having your company again very, very soon. Bye for now.